Well, hello there, and welcome back to the Yamcast. My name is Erica. And I'm Chris. And we, as the name is called, Yam, Young Adult Ministry, like to talk to young adults and young adult leaders about young adult things, helping direct them, helping them through life, and we use the Bible as our trajectory in which to do that. It's a good authority to do that. Yes. So if you the want to reach us... We say so ourselves. It's the best. So if you want to reach us, you can reach us on the social media platforms. Just a couple of Facebook, Instagram, at the Yamcast. Or you can email us at yamcastpod at gmail.com. Yes, you can. Hosea 11. Yes, we're back. We're back again with that Hosea. We're almost done. We've only got a couple chapters left. We do. And uh, chapter 14 is really hopeful. Good. This one was a little bit better, too. Sure. Yeah, 11, 12, and 13 are kind of like, I'm still going to judge you, but hey, <laughs> some good stuff might happen. 14 is kind of like, yeah, it's going to go really bad. But if you do things God's way, everything's fine. Mm. Sorry, that was a spoiler. Should I not have done oh, that? Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> no spoilers. All right, we're done with Hosea. It's the Bible. <laughs> you could read it yourself and find out yourself. Yeah, if you haven't. Like, gone on to read Hosea, but at this point, I don't know what took you so long. It's been six months or something. That we I mean, did. we've been doing this for a while. <laughs> Between COVID Actually, and Actually, did, did we start Hosea before you even went on sabbatical? I want to say yes, but I'm not sure. I think so. So I, I think, think we've been doing it. first episode is this summer. Since, like, May. Which means Have you we? and I recorded yeah. it in April. Yeah. Anyways, we've been doing it for a while. Yeah, so we're, we're almost done, and then we'll move on to other fun things. Yeah, we will. So with that said, here comes the read-through, Hosea 11. When Israel was a, tri- a child, blah, blah, blah. like that? that? Yeah. yeah. Let me right. do that again. <laughs> when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the Baals, and they burned incense to images. So this sounds like God is talking here, right? Yep. He is very much speaking as a parent and Israel being his child. So if you have had children, you may understand this better than if you have not possibly, but you love your children, and they choose not to follow in what you have taught them. You have given them so much, and they chose to disobey and rebel against you. And so you keep kind of keep that in mind as we're going through these next few verses. That's kind of what he's talking about a lot here. Like, I loved you. You are my son. And then you decided to sacrifice to Baal and basically turn against me. Yes, and it's interesting that there's a number of passages like this. Like, I don't know if you noticed verse 1 there is actually quoted by Matthew. When Jesus is forced to go to Egypt after his birth, he leaves Egypt to come back to the Galilee Mm. area. And it actually says, as the prophecies say, and they use that verse to say it. Oh, out of Egypt I call my son. Yeah, so it's interesting that some of these things get used in a strange way by New Testament authors mm-hmm. that makes some people flip out. I don't flip out. I just appreciate it. Because, I mean, this is also Israel being his child. They came out of Egypt. Yes. That sort of thing as well. So. Yeah, interesting. Verse 3, It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms, but they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them, I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek and bent down to feed them. 
Will they not return to Egypt, and will not Assyria rule over them, because they refuse to repent? You just see, like, the tenderness, right? Yeah. Like, I taught, yeah, I taught them to walk. I led them with cords, which cords kind of remind me of a little bit of discipline. Sure. But how that is still kind, and that is still loving. Actually, that is kind and loving to discipline. In a proper context, yes. Yes, yes. Yep. Um, but, like... To T- them, touching cheeks. Yes, I mean yeah. it just sounds so tender. Um, but there comes a point in every parent-child relationship where the parent really has to just kind of let the child go and make their own decisions, even if that parent knows it is going to be worse for them because of whatever decision they know they're going to make. But they, you really have to let them go, mm-hmm. and that is exactly what God does. Like He lets them go even though he's like I know what you're going to choose and it's not going to be good for you yeah I've told parents for years as a youth pastor that your child's teenage years are preparing you to want to eject them from the house mm-hmm. so they can become their own parent or their own adult you know not parent necessarily but their own adult in their own decision maker now that I've got a teenager and an almost teenager it's not as fun as it sounded <laughs> when you were instructing yeah. it so there is a certain amount of pain that comes with the friction that you feel between someone who is feels that they're old enough to make their own decisions, but they're not quite mature enough to make them well. Mm. But at the same time, knowing what you're trying to prepare them for is to eject them so that they can live their life well and mature. So even in the discipline, like you said, there's a certain amount of pain it's just a good parent pain that you feel that you're just going, I just really love you. You don't understand. Mm-hmm. You, you think I'm saying no to hurt your feelings. What I'm saying no for is because I really want the best for you. And this is not it. And I'm not a control freak. I'm not trying to make you do what I want you to do. I just see something you don't see. But there comes a point where you just have to let them go. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what is being described here. Yeah. You're years away from having to deal with that. so I, Yeah, we have a little be, ways. Yeah. Be very, very thankful. <laughs> Verse 6, a sword will flash in their cities. It will devour their false prophets and put an end to their plans. My people are determined to turn from me, even though they call me God most high. I will by no means exalt them. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I treat you like Adma? How can I make you like Zeboim? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. I mean, and you just kind of talked about how hard that decision is, and you kind of see it here too, that it is hard for God to make this decision. It's not easy for him to hand them over. It still grieves him, I imagine. He still loves them and would rather not have his people taken over by another, but they chose this, not him. And I think that's what's hard sometimes is we are like, God, why did you let this happen? And he's like, you chose that. I did not, I had different plans for you, but you chose this and this is what is going to happen because you, you chose it. But we want to blame other people, right? right? And other, or God. No, totally. But really that's not, yeah, we chose it, so. Well, and you you probably heard the Adma and Zeboim and you were like. Yeah, what are those? What are those? So these are two of the cities on the plain of Sodom. Ooh. So if you think about it this way, what God is saying is, how, how could I possibly treat you like them? But if you think about it, even their story is, 
they are intentionally not being hospitable to the outsider. That's really what the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah is. It's not, some have taken it to mean that it's all about the sexual aspect of Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm -hmm. That is a piece of the puzzle, but it has more to do with lacking hospitality. You know, now granted wanting to sexually exploit someone lacks hospitality. Yeah. Yeah. It's, (laughs) it's wrapped up in there too. Yeah. So it's not like that's off the hook, but it's just saying I had a, they weren't my child and I gave them a chance and they still didn't take it. So I had to deal with them this way. How can I do that to you? But in the same point, I kind of need to do that to you. That's what he's saying. That's, mm-hmm. that's the struggle that you're hearing and feeling. All my compassion is aroused. I, I love you. I want to be there for you, but I can't let you keep going the way you're going, which will come out in a little bit. Verse nine. I will not carry out my fierce anger, nor will I devastate Ephraim again. For I am God and not a man, the Holy One among you. I will not come against their cities. They will follow the Lord. He will roar like a lion. When he roars, his children will come trembling from the west. They will come from Egypt, trembling like sparrows, from Assyria, fluttering like doves. I will settle them in their homes, declares the Lord. Ephraim has surrounded me with lies, Israel with deceit. And Judah is unruly against God, even against the faithful Holy One. So yeah, looking at 9 through 12, there is, there is hope in this, that they will come back, is what I get from it, right? Like they will come back to the Lord. Um, they will finally realize and return to God like they should have done numerous times previously. I mean, this last little bit, I find it interesting how it was, yeah, I almost would have ended the chapter at 11, but obviously we did not, and we have this little, but, or is it just like a reminding of, but this is where we're at right now? Yeah, kind of sometimes you'll notice that the verses don't line up with an argument. Uh, I don't really know who decided what verses go yeah. where. So you'll notice in a few of our translations today, there's points where you're going, why why cut that off right there that's in the middle of the thought and then it gets picked up in the next? Mm-hmm. So. Not uh, always a rhyme and reason to it, maybe. Right. Right. But with that said, it's not like it's bad. It's just. It I mean, does, it does kind of remind you of where they're at. Right. Like, it doesn't This is flow. almost the future, 9 through 11. This is what will. I mean, there's a lot of wills, which implies future tense. And then this is, but this is what's happened right, right now. Right. So now it's time for the deeper dive. And really what I want to talk about here briefly is there is a cost of misrepresenting God. When you don't represent God well, you're actually more on the hook than those who aren't. Mm. So like you noticed in the passage, you talked about Sodom and Gomorrah and you're going, oh yeah, they're disgusting and wrong. They, you might even make the case they didn't know any better right? Mm-hmm. They weren't given ask, access to God in the same way as Abraham, for example. So you might go, well, maybe they shouldn't be on the hook. That's not true. That's a, that's a, that's a false narrative or false pretext. Like we could get into that some other time. They had every reason to understand that what they were doing was wrong, but they were choosing not to. And that's, mm-hmm. that's their own call. But those who have been given access to God and who God has given direct requirements to for you to misrepresent him in that way and not bear his name properly back to the beginning of Hosea when we talked about it months and months ago, 
bearing the name is really important. And so to misrepresent him deserves more of a cost. With that said, misrepresenting his name generally seems to have harsher consequences near the beginning of a movement rather than not. And there's been a ton of writing on this. I don't really know how to say it any other way than I'll say it this. When, when a movement of God begins, you'll notice that there are a number of se- sequential judgments that occur really quickly that sort of try to squash all of the, the potential issues. So for example, right after God says, this is how I want you to do Sabbath and I don't want you to have any idols before me, when the Israelites then make a golden calf, they are dealt with very harshly. And then not very long after that, someone is stoned for breaking the Sabbath. And we read that today and are like, mm. I've broken the Sabbath before. Are you going to stone mm-hmm. me? And we immediately freak like, oh my goodness, what's going on? In the very beginning of these movements, when God is making something different occur within mm-hmm. humanity, and the difference is really from our perspective rather than his. You know what I'm saying? Like God's not up there going, well, I suppose I should create a new rule for them. That's not how it goes. But what God's doing is saying, I'm going to re-up here. I'm going to tell you this is how it goes. There's pretty extreme judgments right away after that. So could that also be where in the New Testament, the two, the couple. Ananias and Sapphira. Yes. It, could that be. That was exactly the next case I was going to bring up. Yeah. Because I, I know so many people that are like, that seems harsh, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's early in Acts. Uh, and So like and, right after the Holy Spirit descends, yep. right? And they're That's all the, giving of their wealth. Within a couple of months, yeah, possibly. I mean, we're talking really quick time frame. Someone sells a field and gives all the money to the church to help support the movement that's starting mm-hmm. up. And then this other couple sells their land, keeps most of the money, and takes some of it and gives it to the church, which might mean that they actually had a huge plot of land and they made way more money and they ended up giving the same amount of money as the other guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We don't even know... Um, any of the particulars here, all we know is that this individual gave some money to the church, but as they did so, Peter says, why are you lying to the Holy Spirit? And is this the amount? Yes, that's the amount. And they drop dead. And then the spouse comes and says, yeah, that's the amount. And then they drop dead. And everyone freaks out. Like, that's so harsh. I can't believe God did that. It's exactly what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. Very early in the early, when a new movement of God is starting, when God is doing something fresh and amazing and new, it seems that, and, and, and this is biblical. I don't know how else to describe it. And I don't know how, I, I don't even, let me put it this way. God doesn't care how I feel about it. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Like I, part of me care goes, that we find it harsh. Part of me yeah. was to go, oh, this is really harsh. I don't like this at all. That's not really the point. The point is when something new starts, God deals with it in a, a fresh holiness. There's, a, there's an extremeness to it mm. that there's no other way around it. So judgment then flows more rapidly. severely in the beginning of, of, a, of a new movement with God. Well, it just almost is like, I mean, because some people are like, well, is like a warning to others. It could yes. possibly be. It, I also think it's just him being like, no, we're serious right now. Yep. Um, and we need to kind of get rid of the people that aren't serious in a way, too. Yep. I mean, because I think if Ananias and Sapphira hadn't lied, that probably wouldn't have happened. I think that's the point is that they weren't quite serious enough. They weren't quite ready for that. I don't know. If they would have movement. come and said, yeah, we sold a land, this is the 20% of what we sold, it wouldn't have been the same thing. Yeah, no, because, yeah. But they were trying to play it off as if it was the entire amount of land, which is very sneaky and wrong, which is like Achan's sin, mm. right? When the Israelites move into the land, 
Aiken takes just takes a little, stuff, he takes a yeah. little bit of stuff out of Ju- uh, Jericho and you might be like, well, that's not that big of a deal, but it is a big deal. Like it needs to yeah. be dealt with. Mm-hmm. And so what God does, he seemingly deals th- with things really harshly. And as much as you might be thinking, listener, whoa, I'm really glad I'm not in an early movement of what God's doing. So he's <laughs> not harsh. You should actually be sadder about the fact that we are so complacent at this point that we don't even think about this. We anymore. don't care. That's sad. In some ways, yeah. So I, that's actually, when I think about the deeper dive and I dig into the, the, you know, the nuances of the narrative of scripture, I would say I'm actually more disappointed when crazy things aren't happening because it, it means it we're makes, so far yeah. removed from the beginning. When it makes sin less serious to sure. us. Yeah. I mean, is that, cause I know this kind of just reminds me of like not taking the Lord's name in vain. Is that, right. that, is that more so what that means of misrepresenting God's name than saying, Oh my God. Do you know what I mean? I feel like. Yeah, I'd say it's both. The misrepresenting God's name is huge. Saying. So taking the Lord's name in vain, does that mean, yeah, using his name? Yes. Just out loud inappropriately. No, it means bearing the name inappropriately. With that said, one of the ways to bear the name inappropriately would be just to use it flippantly. Okay. Because I think when we hear not using the the name of the Lord and Van Gali, all these yeah, words, yeah. I just yep. keep whatever. It's all good. It's all good. Um, I think we only think, well, I say, oh my gosh, so I must be with that, uh, <laughs> must be good with that commandment. But right. really it's, yeah, it's your life. Sure. And if we're going to really technical, technically God isn't his name. So anybody who's saying true. that might, you know, that's they, that they could make the case of, well, I'm not even saying his name. You've but missed the whole They point. probably wouldn't even... <laughs> realize that anyway so yeah the misrepresentation aspect there's i'm tripping over words now i know it's hard it's uh, a lot of the the misrepresentation letters. of god's name applies more to israel Bear, they're actually bearing the name of god Ooh, there. okay so That's god true. god is the name israel means wrestles with god isra wrestles with and then l god mm-hmm. so for them to wrestle with god israel every time they went anywhere they're bearing the name of god it is their, as they it, walk as around, the and if they, they are, are like, "Yeah, I'm from Israel," and they're total turds, then they deserve to get harshly sure. dealt with. I just like saying <laughs> that. So that's, that's part one. of what what the bearing the name in, okay. inappropriately would be. It'd be the same as today if I said, "Yeah, I'm a Christian," and you would never know that I'm a Christian based on you know if you spend an afternoon with me and you're questioning whether I'm a Christian, I'm probably not bearing the name well. Yeah, which is pretty convicting to a lot of us. We need to stop and go. Really, who is your God? If you're if nobody knows who who you serve and what you're all about, you're probably not where you want to be, mm-hmm. which is just a challenge for our podcast audience and everybody else. Yep. So with that said, let's get practical. Let's get practical. Practical. So God is referred to often as our father throughout scripture, right? Right. I mean, even Jesus talks, obviously, because he's the son, talks about him being our father, our father in heaven. That's supposed to be how we pray. Um, And I know for some of us, that can give us a negative connotation because of the earthly father we have. We actually, like, project our feelings of our earthly father onto our heavenly father, good or bad. Right. Right? So it doesn't have to be negative, necessarily. You could have a great earthly father and you still project whatever he is onto God. But I want to remind you, because I feel as though you you do know this, so I would like to remind you that God is not like our earthly father. He is way better. He is perfect in how he deals with us. He never has to apologize 
right? Like as an earthly father, I mean, you've, right, have had to apologize numerous times for how you. No. (laughs) I deal perfectly with my children. I don't understand what you're talking about. Um, but he doesn't have to apologize because how he deals with us is is perfect. His love for us is unconditional. Like it's not based on what we can or um, on what we do or can do for him. But it is based on him. Like who he is is why he loves us. Right. Not because of who we are. He is loving. He is good. He is just and perfect. So when we want to rebel against God, like we are actually only hurting ourselves. Because I think it's a lot of times we want to rebel against that because we think we see the Heavenly Father as our earthly father. And we want to rebel against possibly our earthly father because maybe he's not great. Um, but the Heavenly Father is not like that at all. So just wanted to kind of remind us when we were reading through this about us being the child, him being the father, um, and we might not have great memories of that, of whatever it might be with our earthly father, that God is not that. Right. He is not your earthly father. He is better than that. So we should not want to rebel against him. We shouldn't. I mean, we do. But we want, but we do. But we do, yeah. <laughs> Just Lord, knowing that his way is right and just and whatever, but. Lord, save us. We need you. Council Corner with Erica. So just kind of continuing on with that thought that we talked about in Let's Get Practical, I want you to take some time to really think about where your thoughts and feelings about God might come from. So some questions you could ask yourself is like, how do I feel about my heavenly father or my earthly father? Like what was your earthly father like? What does the Bible say about God? How is that like your father? Maybe not like your father. Do you feel shame or feel like you have to work for your father's love? These are all questions that you can be asking yourself to really help you understand if you have a biblical view of God or if your view of God really is based on how your your father interacted with you. So, And it's really important that we have a biblical view of God because it really influences everything that we do. It influences how we see ourselves. It influences how we see other people. It influences if we're going to obey or not obey or if we automatically think when when something happens that we think not right things of God because of how our earthly father is um, handled situations. So it's really important that we take that inventory of, yeah, where does where do my views of God come from? Are they biblical or are they earthly? There was a study fairly recently that, that talked about how you are most likely to attach God to your view of your earthly father. Mm. So this is really practical advice because most of us see God as some version of our earthly father. Even if it's like we think of God as the best version of our earthly father, that's not really entirely true either. Right. I mean, he's so much better and beyond all of that. So these are good questions to ask a lot of times when I'm working in counseling with someone, as I know you have as well, it's rewinding people to go, mm-hmm. where are you getting this from? And often it's, well, if God's a father, this is what he, you know, this is what my dad does for me or doesn't do for me. So then therefore God must fill that void or God's even better than that, than my dad. To the extent of, you know, I've even heard someone argue, well, I'm going to get a Hummer because 
my dad can't give me that, but he loves me. He wants to give me mm. that since my earth, my heavenly father's not going to give me a, you know, a stone when I ask for bread or not going to give me a snake when I ask mm. for a fish, they're totally taking that passage and running with it ridiculously. They're like, well, God's going to give me a Hummer. You know, I'm going to have a brand new Hummer in my driveway at some point. I'm going to claim that. And I'm like, whoa, that's not even close to accurate. That's not even what the Bible's telling you. But what they do is they just jump to these massive conclusions. So that's very, very good advice. I would do a, a huge inventory of where you feel about your dad, how you feel about your dad, and then how that impacts your day-to-day, and then think about God. Because, yeah, sometimes you might think that you have a pretty biblical view, and then something happens, and then you think, God, why did you do that? You know, like, Or you think right. those things, and that can be kind of your trigger to think, ooh, I might not be thinking of God as he actually is. Right. I might be projecting something. Sure. Or I might be feeling like I need to earn things. Then that's a projection too. So that can be some of your, if you think you're doing good, that could be some of your red flags too. If if you start thinking, God, I, like I know for me, one of mine was, well, God, I shouldn't have expected any different. And it was like mm-hmm. a negative thing. And I'm like, God wants good things for you. So no, that's not, that's, you, you should expect different, you know, like you should have right. actually expected differently. So that was kind of one of those things too. Make me go, whoo, that's not quite right. Right. And there's a lot of those types of things mm-hmm. where our, our understanding of God is very much clouded by our day-to-day interactions with life and people and that kind of stuff. Yeah. All right, everybody. All right. Jose 11 in the books. Have a good one. Bye. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Yamcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Remember to check us out on all the socials like Instagram at the Yamcast. We love to hear back from you guys, so please leave us a comment or a review, and we might even send you guys a sticker. Also, if you have any questions that you'd like us to answer here on the podcast, you can email us at yamcastpod at gmail.com. That is yamcastpod at gmail.com.